morning. We are continuing um, our time this morning in the book of Proverbs. Um, we're continuing to talk about what does it mean to fight for joy. And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs 29, 22. where we're going to be spending our time this morning. And maybe you're thinking, man, we went through a whole chapter of Mark a couple weeks ago, and now we're going to limit it to this one verse, and, and that's what we do sometimes. We slow it way down, and we're going to unpack this. We're going to look at what it means that in light of who God is and who Christ is and who he's called us to be, what does it look like to walk in wisdom versus folly? We talked last week that um, God has called us to walk in the fear of the Lord. We saw it in Proverbs 9, where you have these two uh, personifications of one, one of Lady Wisdom, and one of the woman Folly, and how both would call to us. And so we are called as Christians, as those who would follow God, to walk in His way, to walk in the fear of the Lord. And so we've said that over the, over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven of these pervasive follies that we tend to believe, that we tend to fall and, and chase after. And so the first one that we're going to look at today is anger and wrath. And maybe that immediately makes you want to get up and go, but just stick around. There's good news, okay? There's bad news and there's good news. And we're going to hear it all, and we're going to rejoice in who God is in the midst of this. And so this morning, we're talking about the folly of anger and wrath. We're talking about what God has called us to live like in light of that. We talk about what wisdom looks like applied to these specific areas of folly, these specific sins, and what it looks like to to fight for joy in those things. And and we have to start with this caveat, this, this caution, because what we tend to do is we tend to hear the sin and then make it all about the sin. I need to get rid of that sin in my life. I need to... Uh, walk in peace, I need to walk in patience and gentleness, which are all true, and we're going to see that, but we can't make this about the sin. What is this about? This is about fighting for joy, right? When we think about the, the catechisms, those things, those questions and answers that were asked throughout church history about what is, what is the whole purpose of all of this? The first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so when we think about that, the, the goal then is not to, to live a sinless life, although that does become something that as we follow Christ, as we walk in the fear of the Lord, that becomes true. But the goal would be, how is God being glorified in everything that I say and do, and how am I walking in joy in that process? So that's where we're going today. We're striving to walk in joy, knowing that sin has been defeated by Christ. It has all been paid for. And so we have, because of what Christ has done, we have a righteousness that we get to walk in. Our tendency is to get caught up in the killing of sin, to look at it and analyze it and strategize ways to minimize it. But the reality is that the sin is defeated in us if we are in Christ. So this morning, we look at wrath, we look at anger, we, we discuss the wisdom of, of, hey, what are the effects of, what is the sin? What are the effects of that sin? How does it damage, right? 
But we also, mainly we look at what does it look like to fight for joy, to walk in the fear of the Lord, to rest in His righteousness and see His righteousness worked in us as we do that. And so those are the questions we're asking today. What is the sin that would rob our joy? What is the effect of that sin, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with others? And how do we fight for joy in the midst of this sin? I'm going to read Proverbs 29, verse 22, and then we're going to pray. Proverbs 29, verse 22 says this, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. God, we would ask that you would give us ears to hear. As we've seen in Mark, you've said that those who have ears, let them hear. God, we thank you that today we would sit under a pavilion and listen to your word uh, read, expounded, preached, God, because of a change that you've done in our hearts. And so this morning, we thank you that you've given us ears to hear. We pray that we would hear. We pray that not only would we hear and it just sound really good, but that hearing would turn into a doing would turn into a transformation and a conforming to your image. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do these things today, both here in Cape Canaveral, and we ask that you would do it throughout the world where your gospel is being preached. God, would you continue to conform your people to the image of Christ because that is what a dying world needs. They need Christ. Lord, we thank you that we can pray with confidence knowing that this is your desire. You've already set all these things in motion by your sovereign plan. God, and you've invited us to participate in that. So we pray that we would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bad news first. The sin. The sin, particular sin of anger and of wrath. Well, we want to kind of dive into that because both... Uh, These two things are used interchangeably throughout the Proverbs. Most of the time, if you see a proverb that's talking about wrath, it's also talking about anger. If you see, and it it usually will do something like this proverb does, where it'll kind of explain it twice, and it'll use some different wording. And so as we walk through this, I'm going to give you some other words that are used by other translations to just help us with some of the things that maybe we don't understand, a word like transgression, or, or strife and, and different things, and so that we can understand, hey, what is this proverb telling us? Because truly, we want to walk in wisdom, not so that we look wise, but so that we can walk in the fear of the Lord that would give Him much glory. Anger and wrath. This anger and wrath spring from a belief, and this is what we're going to unpack today, because uh, what we have here is this beautiful opportunity to go from what is the fruit of our lives, and often the fruit of our lives looks like anger and wrath, and kind of backtrack that to what is the root that would cause those things to happen? What is the belief or the unbelief that we're walking in? And then really when we get to that point, we can say, but what is true? And then what would the fruit of that look like? And so we have this root to fruit, or fruit to root, and root to fruit for us today. And so as we talk about anger and wrath, what are we not believing? Anger and wrath spring from a belief that God is either not there or that He is not good. When we are angry, frustrated, and try to control things, we are attempting out of a heart, we are attempting to do that out of a heart that's either believing that God is not there or He's not as good as He says He is. And so we're going to figure out how we get there. 
You see, there's two types of anger. Because when we say, well, anger is bad, we also say, well, wait a second. God has defined himself as a God who is slow to anger, which means eventually he does get to anger, right? And so if that's his character, then there has to be this good form of anger, right? When Jesus turns over the tables in the temple, he's not doing it with a, with a smile, probably. He's, he's angry at what it has turned into, that it is not what God had established. You see, righteous anger is justified by things not done God's way. Sinful anger is justified by things not done my way. And sometimes we as Christians in particular get those two things mixed up. We think that we know enough about God that we have the right way of doing it. And yet we don't quickly run back and say, God, but what is your way? Are you doing something here that maybe I can't see and I just need to be patient with, because if I truly believe that you're sovereign and that you're in control, my life will look different than this anger and frustration that is arriving in my heart. Well, the first thing we see in, in the text is a man of wrath stirs up strife. So this man of wrath, A, man. When we talk about God, God can be wrathful and God can be angry because he is also perfectly righteous and just. As soon as man begins to walk in wrath or anger, often we move into our sinful and selfish inherent sin that lies in all of us. You see these seven deadly follies, they're inherent in all of mankind. Because of the sin of Adam, all of us walk in sin unless we are redeemed by Christ. Our natural state is sinful. We quickly jump to Paul, who talks about this and really defines it well in Romans. But in Romans, Paul is actually quoting Psalms. Psalm 14, 1 through 3 says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's what we talked about. Anger and wrath spring from a belief that either there is no God, and he's not there, or he's not good. But Psalm 14, 1 through 3 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. This is the reality of our... Uh, State, we are depraved. We are sinful. And yet, God is working in us to produce glory for himself. He's using even broken, sinful people like us to do this. So the sin of anger and wrath is where we sit in judgment, where God should be sitting in judgment where we attempt to judge what is right and wrong outside of what God has already said is right and wrong, and we do this so often. The beauty of preaching this message on anger and wrath is my life is full of illustrations for you. We're only going to use one today, but it's a good one. Um, two days ago, and, and parents are going to be like, yeah, I got that one. Um, two days ago, I was frustrated, and I was angry with, with my son. And I, I've asked him if I can use this illustration, and he said, yes, I'm thankful for that um, 
I've also asked him for forgiveness, so that's the end of the story. But, but just know that in the moment, my son was being disobedient. And I felt like I had told him over and over, and I had shown him what was right and true. But it got to the point where I was so frustrated that I began to use words as weapons. My anger showed up, and I, I told him that he needed to fix himself, and he needed to, to do better. And I told him that in not, not pretty ways. And I, I wanted him so much to do what was right that I didn't care about how we got there. I just wanted that to happen. And I was standing in judgment over my son. And he said, well, yeah, but as parents, that's one of our places. Yes, it's one of our places if we're pointing to what is right and true and who God is. But as soon as I step out of that and demand for my comfort or demand so that I prove who I am as, as the one who is in control, then now I'm acting out of anger and wrath that is sinful. And I'm not saying that uh, I'm not having that righteous anger that's justified by things not done God's way. I'm having a sinful anger that's justified by things not done my way. Maybe you can relate to that today. Maybe you've driven and you've thought about people that are driving next to you and how they are not doing things your way. Maybe you're also justified in that because they're also not doing things according to the rules that are being given. But really, where I get most frustrated is when they are stopping me from doing what I want to do. Right? I don't get so mad at people that speed. I get mad at people that go slow <laughs> and get in my way. Right? I mean, that's where we are. We, 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 and then we think that we're justified in those things. My wife is always telling me, you can't sit in judgment. You don't know if maybe they're speeding and trying to get past you because there's some, somebody's having a baby or somebody's hurt in the car. And she's right. I don't know that. And so we can't stand there in judgment in a place where only God can be in judgment. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't judge. No, we are given God's good word. Right? We're given His statutes. We know what is good and right and true because He's told us. But He's also told us that He will judge. And so we can hold these good and right and true things out with a hope that people would, would in Christ chase after those things. But when I make that demand on my son, I then become sinful because I'm trying to get him to do things my way. And and God's got this thing that he's doing where he's working in my son. If I believe that God is sovereign, and I do, then he has Noah right where he wants him. In case you guys thought I was talking about Bo. I was talking about Noah. Right? And he's got me right where he wants me. So even as I wrestle with this and coming out of it, I'm like, man, I did it again. I blew it. I use my words as weapons over my son who I love. Why would I do that? God, why would you let me do that? And now, who am I judging? I'm judging God, and I'm saying, God, you're not good. Because if you were good, you wouldn't let me do that. No, he's using all of that for his glory so that a sinful man like me can come and say, but I have a beautiful Savior who has saved me and is making our relationship right by his grace and his patience and his kindness to both towards me and towards Noah. And restoring those things. Again, that's just one of many, many illustrations that I could give you about anger and wrath 
particularly from my life. But we all have them. We all have ways where we justified our anger by things not done my way. What does the sin produce? That's the second question. So what is the sin? Anger, wrath, this frustration that God is not good and He's not doing things on my timeline. And so I'm going to, to try to manipulate them and fix them and change them instead of resting in a patient following of Jesus and trusting in His goodness. What does that sin produce? What does it stir up? What does it cause? Right? We see it in verse 22. The man of wrath stirs up strife. It produces strife. It produces this unrest amongst people. It produces broken relationships. I've seen it. In that story, my son doesn't trust that dad is good because dad is trying to manipulate him to do what he wants him to do. And he'll do it by using hurtful words and and harsh harsh tones, raising his voice. And so our, our relationship then is broken because me, as a man of wrath, I've stirred up that strife between us. One given to anger, one who submits to the anger that wells up inside of him. Because we all, we all wrestle with this, right? And that, that sin, first and foremost, is not against Noah. My first sin is against God. Because in my heart, I've said, this is not good. And you said you were good, and I don't believe it. But my second sin becomes when I act out of that, and I, and I use words that break our relationship, I hurt both of us. And so we wrestle there. That sin produces brokenness between Noah and I. You see, Proverbs are often an if-then statement. If you do this, then this will happen. It's a, they're cause and effect. When we do this, this is what happens. It's the natural response in a broken world. But what we need is not a natural response. We need a supernatural response. We need something that would change that inherent sin in us and do something that would glorify God. And so we're given all of Scripture that says that we are not the old man. We are not the natural response. But we are a new creation filled with the Spirit of God. We have a supernatural response that's been given to us. So instead of Stirring up strife, brokenness. Instead of causing transgression, sin, wrong, rebellion. We come and we pray as Hebrews prays. 10.24 Instead of stirring up strife and transgression, we long to be a people who would consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Now, love is not the antithesis of um, anger. Often, love produces anger. Love of God's holiness and His righteousness will produce this desire to say, hey, that is not right. What you're doing is not right. God has created something good and something perfect. And so, anger can, can righteous anger, God's anger, is produced out of love. So God can both be slow to anger and angry and wrathful, and He can be loving at the same time. And we can walk in those things too. We, we desire that strife and rebellion would not be what we stir up, but we would stir up a quiet contention 
Proverbs 15, 18 says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. We don't want to stir up strife. We don't want to stir up transgression. We don't want to cause more wrong and rebellion and brokenness. So much of our anger stems from putting ourselves in the place to judge others. Romans 2.1 actually says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. So true. So many of the things that I judge my son for are things that I see in my, own, in my own life now and that I see in my life when I was his age growing up that I want him to be different from. So many of the things that I judge the person driving next to me on the road for, I just got done doing. <laughs> and so we say, man, God, who am I to judge? Therefore, we have no excuse. You see, this, this strife and rebellion are stirred up when we attempt to take God's seat as the judge, when we attempt to judge in place of him. And so how, the last question, how do we fight for joy in this? Okay, Joel, you've explained what anger is and the effects of it and, and that it's bad. What does that mean? What do we do then? Well, we walk in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. We talked about this last week, that we're given these choices to walk in wisdom or to walk in folly. Wisdom brings glory to God as a people would walk in His way, fearing Him. But we can only do that because the Spirit has changed our hearts to recognize that God is Lord and what He says is the way that we should live. And so we walk in the fear of the Lord. We walk in wisdom and joy. I love that Proverbs 14.29 because it says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Again, we've, we've already said this, but this is how God has defined Himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before Moses, and He's proclaiming to Moses who He is. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is the God that we follow. This is the God that we fear and we walk in the fear of the Lord. Man, this is beautiful because this is exactly what we're talking about. How can you be both loving and angry? We have a God who is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, and He's steadfast to thou for thousands, keeping steadfast for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But He also, He doesn't clear the guilty. Like, how is that true? How has God done that? And He's done that in Christ. Because in and of ourselves, we deserve... That slow anger, the wrath of God being poured out on us because we are sinful people. But thank God for Jesus. You see, the mercy of God is slow to anger. Romans 3, 21-26 says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. It's to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How do we walk in these things? We walk in these things by faith. We walk in these things by having this true belief that what Romans 3, 21 through 26 says about what Jesus did on behalf of those who would trust in Him is true for us. And then, out of that understanding, out of that gratitude, out of that spirit empowering, we now have a new way to walk. Because the old man is dead and he is crucified with Christ. But then Christ rose from the dead. And when we beautiful, walking through baptism last week, remembering that we are crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So if we want to walk in wisdom, if we long to walk in patience and gentleness, those things that are, that are opposite of the anger that we normally walk in, if we want to walk in holy, righteous anger, we do it by walking in unity with the Spirit of Christ dwelling inside of us. The gift of the gospel is this. We have not earned it. And it's not even he did it and now we have to go and earn it like a layaway plan. No, God did it all. And if we are in Christ, then it is all paid for. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. And so we have been given that belief and that truth. And today, we walk in wisdom as we walk and step with the Spirit. You see, we talked earlier about, like, what, do I, what am I believing when, I, when I'm angry or when I walk in wrath? I'm believing that God's not good or He's not there. But if both those things are true, that God is good and God is present, that He is sovereign, then I'm going to walk in a different way. Just going back to the example of my frustration with my son, if, if in that moment I say, God, but you're doing a work, you are present, you are real, and you are good. And so even as, as my son would not follow in my directions immediately, I believe that you're doing something in his heart. And if you're not, I can't change that. You are God, and I cannot change his heart, but by your spirit you can. And so I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to yell and use my words as weapons. But instead, I'm going to say, God, you are good and I trust you. I'm going to hold out this good thing to my children. And I'm going to say, I pray that God would do something in your hearts that you would believe this to be true. And then I can go and I can do that same thing for my neighbor, right, whose, whose way of life is obstructing my way of life and I get angry about and I can say, but God, if you are God and you are good, then you can use even this situation where there's strife and conflict for me to walk in peace, to be, for me to be a bearer of peace to my neighbor and to my children. So then this right belief then begins this, the root 
of belief that God is sovereign, He's in control, He is good, begins to play out in my relationships with others, and I am patient and loving and kind. And you can go through all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, and you can say, man, that's what I long for. That's what I believe walking in the fear of the Lord. That's what I believe walking in wisdom looks like. It looks like my unity with Christ being portrayed to a world that needs to see it. And, and I'm not going to get frustrated that I'm not there yet because, again, I believe that God is good and that He's sovereign and He has me right where He wants me. And He's doing this work in His timing and in His way. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to rejoice. And then walking in that fruit looks like joy. Because I'm like, man, I'm not there yet, but I have a Savior who has saved me and God is doing these things. And we can look back and we can say, man, God, you changed that in me. I've become more patient. I've become more kind. I've become more gentle because of the work of your Spirit in me. And I fight for joy and I walk in joy. So this morning, this is what we've been given in Christ. You see, God showed His righteousness at the cross. Mercy and justice kissed at the cross. They met each other because the perfect justice of God was poured out on His Son and the perfect mercy of God was poured out on us because Jesus did not deserve the death that He paid for us. We did. And so we rejoice in the good news of the Gospel. And then we remember that and and that right belief, that root produces beautiful fruit in our lives as we walk in those ways. What if instead of anger, we walked in patience and gentleness? What, in, what if instead of wrath, we were long-suffering, we were slow to anger? What would that look like? It would look like a heart that was changed and captivated by our Savior. It would look like us living in unity with Christ, knowing our identity is with Him. And we would be able to be lights in a dying world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden, that people can try to ignore, but there's something different about those people. They have been changed, not for their own sake, but for the glory of God. That's our hope this morning. Yes, that Christ would, that, that, that sin would be killed in us, that we would no longer walk in anger and wrath and these silly follies that we so quickly chase. But more than that, we pray that God would be glorified in our lives and we would enjoy Him now and forevermore. I want to leave you with this old prayer out of the Valley of Vision. And it's just the prayer that God would continue to do this. It says this, If traces of Christ's love artistry be upon me, May he work on with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained and I be made a perfect copy of him, my master. That's what we pray this morning. That's what we long for. God, yes, there's this folly of sin and wrath and we, we, the anger that we walk in. God, and we long to be transformed. But if any of that transformation happens, would you do it? And would it be evident to a people that need to see it? Would it be evident to us that we could not strive for it and, and try to make it happen, but we would rest in what you're doing, walking by grace and what you've called us to? That's our prayer this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we've seen the destruction of anger and wrath. We've seen how sin tears down 
relationships. First and foremost, our relationship with you. We've seen how it erodes the, the relationships that we have with others. Lord, and so we long to be free of that. And yet we also know that, that you have done that. That you have defeated sin and death at the cross, Lord. And so that victory is won. And so we pray that we would fight for joy. That we long to walk in wisdom, not in folly. That we would long to walk in the fear of the Lord, knowing that we can do that because of our unity with Christ. We can walk in His righteousness. Lord, would you stir it in the hearts of your people. God, not for our sake, but for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.